Today, here on Cincy Business Talk with Mike Roth, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer. We'll be talking to business leaders about how they have grown their businesses and people. We discuss new strategies, tactics, and philosophies which lead to positive growth in our marketplace. Our program is sponsored by Sandler Training by Roth & Associates. Each week, we'll talk with our best Cincinnati area top executives about their tools and insights. Our regular listeners will be given the edge that will help them win in a competitive environment which we live. Simple solutions to complex problems which challenge all of us are rarely correct. We will address complex problems or opportunities with appropriate solutions. If you have questions or comments, contact Mike at MikeRoth at RothConsulting.net or call Mike at 513-753-9400. Now your host, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer, Mike Roth. Thanks, Scott. This is Mike Roth. I'm here today with Al Perlman of uh, Smith Perlman CPAs. Did I get that right, Al? Yes, you did. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Uh, let me tell everyone for a second about who's coming up next. Show number 100 is going to be Thane Maynard from the Cincinnati Zoo. Like I said, hopefully he doesn't bring any crocodiles or snakes. Then a week from today, we're going to have Mike Kelly, who's going to who is an executive in a major Fortune 1000 company here in Cincinnati, and he's going to tell his personal leadership journey story. Phenomenal story. I've heard it before. Following Thursday on the 28th of March, we're going to have Scott Carter. He is the CEO of Lear Capital, based in uh, Santa Monica, California. He's agreed to come on and talk about gold, silver, and precious metals. That's what his company does and and how they sell. And on the 29th, Friday the 29th, we're going to have John Morris, who is the president of the Associated Builders and Contractors of Cincinnati. And he's going to talk about uh, his association and what they do for their merit shop companies. They have about 300 builders and construction companies that are merit shops, and he's going to talk about that. And then on April 4th, uh, we start a two-show series on transportation, we're going to have Alan Bernstein from B&B Riverboats. And then on Friday, we're going to have Ryan Mitten from Ultimate Jet Charters, Ultimate Air, out of Lunkin Airport. So that's some of the shows that are coming up. Al, let me tell the folks about you. Al Perman, CPA, is a graduate of Case Western Reserve University and the University of Cincinnati College of Law. So, Al, are you a lawyer and a CPA? I practice as a CPA. I did pass the bar exam, but my law license is inactive. If I wanted to practice law, I could update it and and do so. Okay. Uh, You've been a CPA since 1973, and Al belongs to several professional organizations, including the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants and its Taxation Division, and the Ohio Society of Certified Public Accountants, which Al is the past chairman of the tax committee, Cincinnati chapter. Al served as a member of the individual taxation committee of the tax division of AICPA, American Institute of CPAs. Yes. Yeah, we've got kind of a a Sandler rule here, Al, that that we're going to not use buzzwords or TLAs or five-letter acronyms. (laughs) We'll tell everyone what it is. Okay. They may not be. It's the National Organization for Accountants. Okay. And there, uh, your mission was to formulate technical and policy recommendations to submit to Congress, the Department of Treasury, and the uh, Internal Revenue Service. 
Hal has expertise and is engaged not only in tax compliance, but in tax planning, advising clients regarding tax implications of structuring transactions, representing his clients' interests before the IRS and other taxing authorities. He serves as a advisor, sounding board, business confidant of his clients, utilizing his own experiences gained from serving a myriad of individuals and businesses and being a business owner himself. Uh, Al, how many years have you been uh, practicing as a CPA now? Since uh, 1970. Since 1970. And uh, as a business owner, you've had, when did you own your first business? I actually owned my first business in 1985 when I went into practice for myself. I started with one of the, what was then big eight national firms and was in their tax department because the opportunities when I got out of law school, I wanted to do something that I could use both law and accounting were better with accounting firms than they were with law firms at the time. And I was with the national firm a number of years. They wanted me to transfer to another city and indicated if I did so, I would be admitted to the partnership. And I turned down the transfer. Bad move if you want to be a career national accountant. At that point, I went to work for one of the uh, large local firms. And my and the agreement was that I would stay two years there. And at that point, we'd make a decision whether I'd be admitted to that partnership or not. Mm-hmm. I didn't think things were going that great, but one day the partner said to me, let's go have lunch and discuss your future. And I don't remember exactly the words that were said, but I had a mouthful of salad. And basically what they said is you're fired. I didn't even have to go back to the uh, the office in the afternoon. So I went home and I told my family, I've got to find another job. And my father-in-law said, no, you don't. Why don't you go into practice for yourself? Which is something my own father had asked me to do or suggested I do as well. So I uh, had some investments and it was collateral for a line of credit. I put my money where my mouth was after I swallowed the salad while I was told I was fired mm-hmm. and practiced by myself for a couple of years when I, by chance, in a shoeshine uh, place, uh, ran into a fellow I used to uh, work with at the national firm who was then a partnership partner with another fella in a local firm, said, we need somebody to run our tax practice. Would you be interested? And I said, uh, yeah, I would. So I joined that firm, and uh, after a number of years, we merged into the firm that is now Smith Perlman. Okay. Al's worked with closely held businesses, manufacturing, retail, medical practices, electronic publishing, printing, marketing, branding, and various other service providers. Al's clients are both corporate and individuals, both C-Corps and S-Corps, partnerships, LLCs, proprietorships, trusts, states, and tax-exempt entities like nonprofits. That's correct. Al has been a speaker both locally and nationally and is a frequent guest on television shows. You joined this firm how many years ago? This firm, we, the firm into which we merged, it, it had another name before Smith Perlman. Mm-hmm. The individual for whom it was named died. Uh, I joined that firm, I guess, in 1989. Mm-hmm. So I've been there for, for quite a number of years. Okay. And that fellow... Actually, was, I think it's 99. Yeah, 99. I, 99. I thought the fellow that you, mer- you merged with in 99, 99 was much younger than you. <laughs> he was. So you never know. never know. And then you found yourself the managing partner of a larger firm. Yeah. But my partner and I share management responsibilities. But yes, and I think that is one of the things that makes me valuable to my clientele because I experience and have experienced 
a number of the same experiences that they themselves have had. I've started a business. I've managed a business. I've been on my own. I've dealt with co-owners. I have had to find employees and deal with relationships with employees, and I've had to find uh, clients. I've had to solve problems of clients. I've had to solve problems with clients. So I understand the uh, experiences that a number of business people have regardless of what business there is, whether they sell a product or sell a service. Mm-hmm. A number of our uh, situations that we all incur are, are very similar. Good. Al has agreed to answer any questions that uh, people want to call in about. As usual, today our call-in number is 646-595-4916. And we'll be screening the calls during the uh, commercial breaks. Al, how did uh, you and Mr. Smith get together to form this firm? When I was with the earlier local firm, the fellows who had asked me to join them, uh, I had a... uh, the fellow that owned the firm that we eventually merged into, he and I had a mutual client. Actually, it was my client, but it was an investor and owner in some businesses that uh, he handled. So we got to know each other. And one day he said to me, uh, similar to the first fellow that I met in the shoeshine shop, we need somebody to run our tax practice. Uh, would you be interested? And I said, uh, yes, I would be interested. And we talked. I said, but I don't want to leave my partner. At that point, I still had one partner in the other firm. Mm -hmm. So we discussed merger, and at the time, he told me that uh, Dave Smith, who is my partner, the Smith and Smith Perlman, had worked for him for a number of years and was a very outstanding accountant, which I later learned was the truth. He is an outstanding outstanding uh, accountant. I would like to make him a partner as well. Uh, the partner in the firm with whom I merged uh, didn't like the new arrangement, particularly after some months there, and he left. So the fellow who founded that other firm and Smith and I were all partners, and then when the one fellow died, uh, Smith and I remained. So that's how we became partners. We have a very good relationship. He uh, handles what you might call the accounting and auditing practice. He's an expert in all the pronouncements and presentations and financial statements and so on. And I handle the tax practice. But in reality, we both kind of blend each other. But the real value to our clients is not just preparing financial statements or tax returns, but rendering business advice and being consultants to our clientele, which we both are, which we both are. And and he has his clients for whom he's primarily responsible. I have mine for whom I'm primarily responsible. But we uh, are not territorial, and we both uh, work on each other's clients and assist each other to the extent we can. That's good. So advice is the the key ingredient. Uh, in the couple of minutes we have left before the first commercial breakout, could you uh, share with our listeners how a professional services firm like yours goes to market to find new business? We rely considerably on referrals. We get referrals from existing clients. We get referrals from other professionals, such as attorneys, financial advisors, people of of that nature. Mm -hmm. In some instances, uh, 
We get referrals from other accounts. For instance, the fellow with whom I had been a partner who didn't like the new arrangement, we're still on outstanding terms. We meet a couple times a year, have lunch, catch up, and when he has a client who has a uh, more complex tax problem beyond the scope of what he normally deals with, he refers them to me, and, and we get clients from there. We don't steal his client, but we assist him in the service of his clients. Mm-hmm. But referrals is the primary source. Okay. So do you have any uh, true functioning strategic alliances where uh, you refer people to uh, your your clients to people and they refer their people to you? Yes, we do. I, we don't have particular uh, alliances, but we do try to refer people who refer to us. When uh, we first, when I first merged with this firm, uh, the partner referred clients to one law firm. And one day I said to him, how many clients has this law firm ever referred to us? I said, what, what are we getting out of this? And so he said, I'll talk to them. And they, they referred a few to us. Uh, but we try to be reciprocal. We don't have one law firm or one other financial advisor with whom we're, we're aligned. That's good. I like reciprocal strategic alliances. Uh, I am uh, assisting and uh, acting as the facilitator for the uh, new in Cincinnati group called uh, Tip Club. And uh, I asked uh, Jim Fox of Tip Club to, uh, to tell my listeners a little bit about the group. So let's listen to what he has to say. I'm Jimmy Fox of Tip Club. Tip Club is a professional networking organization whose members help each other succeed. We meet once per month and provide a forum where business-to-business professionals are able to connect with more desirable opportunities and build long-term strategic partnerships. I'm inviting Cincinnati Business Talk listeners to come to our free networking event. You'll have the opportunity to meet new people, share leads and referrals, and grow your business through strategic alliances. Membership in our Cincinnati group is open to only one person per specific trade or occupation. Business-to-business professionals only, please. We do not accept multi-level marketing or recruiting-driven memberships. This is our only group in Cincinnati. We'll meet on the third Thursday of the month from 7.30 to 9 a.m. at Sandler Training by Roth & Associates, 4357 Ferguson Drive, Cincinnati, Ohio. This month we will meet on Thursday, March 21st. If you'd like to reserve a seat, please go to www.tipclub.com and click on the Events tab. Then just scroll down the list of events until you come to the Cincinnati event. Or you may call 1-800-798-0270. That's 1-800-798-0270. Thank you, and we look forward to seeing you on the 21st. This is Mike Roth. I'm back with Al Perlman. Al, if one of our listeners wants to get a hold of you after the show, how do they do that? Well, you can either call my office, which is area 513-248-9210, or you can check our website, which is www.smithperlmancpa, that's all one word, S-M-I-T-H-P-E-A-R-L, 
M-A-N-C-P-A dot com, or you can email me personally at Al Perlman, that's all one word, A-L-P-E-A-R-L-M-A-N, at smithperlmancpa.com. Thanks. And again, uh, if you have any questions for Al, you can call in at 646-595-4916. We're going to be uh, screening calls during the commercial breaks. Uh, so, Al, you get a lot of referrals and introductions, you say, as, as part of your business. Do you have anyone in your firm that's formally charged as the business development officer? No, we don't have anybody with that title or even informally charged. We uh, Primarily the two partners are the, are the business developers, but not exclusively. We have a very experienced uh, tax manager who's practiced over 25 years, and she has actually been responsible for bringing in some of our biggest new clients in really? recent years. So uh, she's very practice development oriented as well. And all the other accountants know that we are looking for uh, new business. Uh, we have nine accountants, each one of which is certified. Every one of our accountants is a CPA. We don't bring in part-time bookkeepers or... Uh, so how many professionals like in total do you have in the firm right now? We have nine. And during the tax season, we do have one other accountant who's not certified, but she's been with us several years. She used to be with us full-time, but because of family obligations, she could no longer do that, but does return during the tax season and assist us considerably. Mm-hmm. That's good. I appreciate you being on the show during tax season. Oh, not too busy to, to talk to you. Uh, over at, at Smith Perlman, do you have a formal uh, or informal long-term strategic planning process for your firm? We started one. We haven't completed it. Unfortunately, we are uh, like the shoemaker's shoes. We advise our clients to do so, but don't always uh, follow our own advice. And we learn during the death of the one partner that it, that's important. We actually did have a plan. It could have worked more fluently than it did. He, As you commented earlier in the program, he was younger than I am. Mm-hmm. And I think he maybe expected he'd be around longer than some of us and Unfortunately, it was a rather sad situation. He he did die early. Uh, Were you probably we, insured? That, no, that's one of the things uh, we other ones wanted, and he didn't. And he and we would have been better off. And and as I say, this is one of the things that makes me value, valuable to my clients because I can relate personal experiences. Most of them are positive personal experiences, but there are some negative ones along the way, too, that we can help them avoid some of the pain that, that we did. But we did get through it, and I think we're a pretty solid firm and in many ways a better firm because of what we learned. Mm-hmm. We uh, we had a company that was a client that had uh, two 80-year-old guys, the dads that owned uh, 1% of the stock voting stock each, and two sons that each owned 49%. Uh, they insured the sons because they were cheaper to insure than one of the two dads died. And uh, it killed this $12 million a year company. Today, uh, only one of the sons is in the company and probably worth only about $5 million. Uh, so the proper insurance to protect against uh, tax bills was that nine months after when you file a return after a death? Yes, but insurance not just for, for tax reasons, but for just general economic reasons. Uh, I'm a big advocate of it. and. Among our sources of referrals, which I don't know if I mentioned earlier, are 
our insurance agents, and uh, we've received referrals from them, and I try to refer people to them as well. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're using someone good, refer them to be on the show. We could always use a few more guests. Okay. Well, you seem booked up through uh, through April. Uh, yeah. And uh, you told me I'm number 99, so you've had 98, and they're waiting. So that's a testament to you. Hey, you know, the, the, the show has, is an old idea from uh, 1996 uh, when I attempted to put it on a clear channel on a Saturday or a Sunday. And they kept jibing and chucking about the time of the show and the price of the show. And I finally just bought commercials on 550. And uh, when they pulled uh, Michael Savage off about a year ago and re- replaced him with uh, uh, someone else who was less popular to the business cause, uh, we decided to take dust off the idea. Uh, we had actually run this idea for the show in California for about uh, three years successfully. Um, and I said, well, I'll take the idea and move it to Cincinnati. And there were a few people around Sandler doing it around the country in the Carolinas and uh, up in northern Ohio. Uh, what do you think the business opportunities and possibilities are here in southwest Ohio right now, Al? They seem to be uh, increasing. We have a number of clients who are, are doing well. We have one client that has made several million dollars investment in, in new equipment. Uh, we have another client uh, who... Uh, was doing well, and as a couple of years ago, before he became our client, uh, he was struggling, but now he's doing well. And it turns out that his biggest competitor, which was a national firm, mm-hmm. decided to get out of the niche of the business in which he was actually, is, is actually conducting his, uh, his business. So he has picked up a number of clients, a uh, number of customers there, and he's doing extremely well as well, uh, and most of our clients are, are doing well. Uh, and, uh, of course, there are a number of businesses doing well whom we'd like to have as clients who aren't. There are those who aren't doing well, we'd like to assist uh, as well also. I, I will say, uh, as a sideline uh, or side comment, that uh, we have a number of clients who are psychiatrists. I don't know how we attracted them, but we did. And uh, each of them had a much better year last year <laughs> than they've had in previous years, so I don't no, what that means particularly, but the, but their practices are going well. That's interesting. Uh, but overall, in serious answer to your question, I think things are picking up uh, in southwest Ohio, and I hear that from other business people as well. Uh, I bet if you listen real hard to uh, 98 of the other shows, you, you'll hear business people saying things are going well, business is going up. We can argue whether it's going up 5% or 25%, but it seems... It, Things seem to be going well. It's gradual, but that's typical of Cincinnati. When things get better, it's usually moderately better. When things get worse, it's usually moderately worse. Cincinnati depends a, on the firm. Some people. Yeah. We, we had one construction company on that had like a sixteen hundred percent sales increase. And you can argue with me, yeah, Mike. It's easier to have that if you're starting with a smaller base number. That's true. Uh, but still, it's a hell of a big increase. Uh, what do you think people are are looking for right now from uh, their CPA firm? What they're looking for really is uh, it's not so much technical expertise uh, uh, because they figure all CPAs are know everything, which they don't. And there are different ones that are 
that are different. But what they're really looking for, I think, are, well, not I think, because there have been studies done on this. They want CPAs that have a specific understanding of their business. Mm -hmm. And they want a, a level of service and attentiveness. And we provide that. For instance, every one of our clients has at least two people responsible for it. One of the partners mm -hmm. and another one of our CPAs as well, because many times uh, a partner isn't available. Many times they don't need somebody at the partner level uh, or the other accountant uh, may not be available. So somebody is not perhaps always, but almost always available to serve the client and, and who knows the client. And, and that's important. Yeah. That's, yeah. That, Go ahead. That's another thing people want. They want uh, clients who have an understanding of their, of their business and they want people who can't well. I said that at first. I guess they do want people who understand their business and who know it well. When I first, when we first merged into this firm, nobody ever went out to a client. I said, "Don't you want to go see the client? Don't you want to understand what the client does? See him perform his business? See what his workers do?" And now all our accounts do that. There are many days when there are probably more people out of the office than in the office, mm -hmm. uh, and and they're clients, and, and clients appreciate that. They also want, I think, a firm that has a good reputation, and I believe we do have a good reputation among those in the business community. So, so that's primarily what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe you could give, uh, our listeners a couple of tips on how to select the CPA firm if they were thinking about that. Well, you, what I would do is ask people whom you respect who are in business. And then I would interview the CPA firm and, and perhaps a number of CPA firms and learn whether the CPA firm does have uh, expertise in, in that business. Now, I know there are some people who claim to be experts. For instance, some years ago, I had a client who wanted to get into horse breeding and horse racing. He had a business that was doing well, so I guess he was looking for somewhere to spend his money. Mm -hmm. So we went to Lexington to a seminar because Lexington's in the middle of horse country, and there was an accountant there who purported to be an expert in horse people. He says, so my client came back and says, you're my accountant. I want you to continue being my accountant, but I want you to meet with this fellow because he's an expert in this. So I did go to Lexington and meet with him and talk, spent about an hour with him. And the fellow didn't know much more than I did. He didn't know any more than I did. He knew a few rules of thumb, but he built himself as an expert. Uh, so I was as expert as he, and uh, I still have uh, horse people as clients. So, but getting back, you want people, you want to interview the client, you want to know what is, or the, the accountant, know what his experience is, know how responsive he is, uh, perhaps get some referrals of existing clients that you don't know. But I would say the initial source ought to be people in business whom you trust, whether it be your banker, whether it be uh, another business associate, whether it be a neighbor who is in business, and it's just not some guy you meet at the club or something like that. And and that's what it ought to be. And then go see what the the accountant does know, and how he does service clients. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's pretty good. Uh, we we don't advertise. I guess the buzzword really is marketing. We we have attracted some clientele too. In the last month, have come to me on our website. But you don't just want to look on a website, pick somebody. You want to go actually meet the person. Yeah, I don't think you can pick a professional services firm from a website. Not really. No. Um, on my website, I put a, a page a few years ago of the 
12 things you know uh, need to know on how to select a sales training organization. And to find out whether or not people were actually reading that page out, I included 13. Well, maybe they can't count, so they do need a good accountant. Yeah, maybe they need an accountant. But I think that the main thing you want to ask at a CPA or a prospective CPA whom you're interviewing is how can you add value to my business? Because, frankly, most people view a tax return or a financial statement as a commodity anymore. Almost anybody who has TurboTax or QuickBooks thinks they can do it. The truth is they can't, but they think they can in many instances. And... People are really looking to say, what am I getting that I'm paying for? Uh, people don't want to just pay any amount of money, but people are willing to pay if they feel they are getting equal or better value for their business. And that's what we try to impart upon our clientele. I think in your world, it's expertise. It's expertise uh, beyond just technicality. For instance, when we prepare a tax return, and many of our clients have rather complex economic and financial situations, uh, there is complexity that you just really can't get by following a computer program such as TurboTax. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had a, a client in the Internet business whose brother was doing the tax returns, and another one of my clients met him at a Sandler class, they talked about it. They sat down together, and uh, the second C- the CPA, who wasn't the brother-in-law, disinterested third party, found an $80,000 mistake in favor of the IRS. Yes. <laughs> uh, this guy wasn't happy. No, that's uh, because perhaps eventually the uh, IRS would have found it. and uh, mm, Probably not. Yes. Sometimes yeah. returns get complicated. Yes. We're going to take a another commercial break here out and if you again if you want to call in and ask Al a question, uh 646-595-4916. Let's listen to a uh, couple of short Sandler commercials. This is Mike Roth, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer. At the first sign of trouble, there are three types of business leader. The first type of leader is like a turtle. He pulls his head and tail in and hides in his shell. Turtles hunker down, just trying to survive. The second type of leader is an opportunist. They're like eagles. Eagles spread their wings and take advantage of the winds. They catch the storm wind and rise to new heights. The third group, between turtles and eagles, are called turkeys. Turkeys are average and anxious. They huddle together and move. They never saw. However, turkeys are easy prey for those who seize the opportunity and soar. If someone in your industry goes out of business, are you going to get the business? The question is, which type of leader are you? Will you seize the opportunities to take market share and grow, or will your fate be like the turkeys? If you're serious about growth, call me to arrange a confidential meeting, 513-646-6523, or check our website at rothconsulting.net. Hi, this is Mike Roth, founder of Sandler Training by Roth & Associates, the most experienced Sandler sales trainer in Cincinnati. You've heard our commercials about sales and sales management, but you haven't made the call for some reason. Maybe you're having your best year ever. Maybe you think a sales development company won't work in your industry. You're different. I wish I had a nickel for every time I heard that. Maybe you're afraid that if you called, you'd buy something. If you're happy with all your sales and profits, and believe you have all the answers or simply don't see yourself investing in yourself or your people, then don't make the call. We have nothing for you. For over 20 years, we've been coaching, mentoring, 
business owners, and sales professionals who are serious about their careers. So if you believe that Sandler Sales Training might make you better, faster, meaner, and stronger, call me at 513-646-6523 or register for our next open house. Roth & Associates, the most experienced sales trainer in Cincinnati. You can check us at www.rothconsulting.net. This is Mike Roth. I'm back with Al Perlman. And, Al, we have a theory of operation here that simple solutions to complex problems are invariably wrong. Therefore, if you want to solve a complex problem, you need an equally complex solution. Uh, so perhaps you could share with our, our listeners, other, CPA, uh, other uh, CEOs, a complex problem that you were, you were faced with that you came up with a complex solution uh, that they might be able to use in their worlds. Well, my uh, area of expertise, as I mentioned in the earlier segment of the program, is taxation. And there are a surprisingly number, high number of people who don't file tax returns, although they should. And there are a number of reasons for it. Uh, one is, uh, uh, based, we've had people come to us with these problems. In one instance, a fellow was going through a difficult divorce and got behind and one thing led to another until finally started getting really terse notices from the IRS and the state of Ohio. In another instance, uh, somebody uh, felt, and this is really, and this happened a couple times, people felt, well, they've already paid in enough. When they get around to filing a tax return, the IRS has their money, so they'll get a refund. And in reality, that's not true because after three years, you can't get a refund. Whatever money you've paid in belongs to the IRS. So people come to us that are as much as eight or ten years behind in filing tax returns and say, what do I do? Eight or ten years. Wow. I haven't got the money to pay, and what do I do? And so the first thing to do is we get an IRS power attorney from them authorizing us to represent them before the IRS, and I contact the IRS. And I explain the situation, and simultaneously uh, I advise the client to get his information together or her information. It's not just men, it's women as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, regarding prior to your tax returns, and I obtained from the IRS a transcript of what they know has been reported as income. Uh, and in a few instances, deductions such as mortgage interest gets reported to them as well. Mm-hmm. And we start preparing returns for prior years. And I apprise the, apprise the IRS representative of this and say, we're working on it. Here's our target date for having it completed. And I stress to the client that we must adhere to this. So we do that. And in instances where the client owes a lot of money, uh, we work out a payment plan uh, with the IRS, who's generally cooperative. Uh, and we uh, make sure that the client uh, adheres to that. The problem, as I say earlier, the state of Ohio also gets involved. And when the state gets involved, it will refer uh, the matter to the attorney general who generally outsources it to some law firm that's basically a, a debt collector and I have to deal Wonderful. with these people <laughs> have to deal with these people as well so it's it's uh, can be strenuous to the client but we have experience in that and, and are able to to assist the, the client in that as well in many instances what happens is the IRS knowing what income has been reported to them mm-hmm. prepares a tax return itself of course that's with uh, 
uh, being a single taxpayer, which is the highest rate, and with the standard deduction, which is the least amount of deductions. And so the client gets a bill, and we have to explain why this isn't right. Here's the correct return. So uh, I assume many of the CEOs who are listening to you don't have this situation, but surprisingly, uh, in one instance, uh, it was an owner of a business. Uh, Mm -hmm. In another instance, it was uh, an employee. In another instance, it was somebody who had owned his own business and was retired. And uh, as I say, they had paid money in and figured, well, get around to it. They have my money. I can get it back when I want. And in one instance, uh, the client lost sixty or $70,000 she had paid him. It was wow. a rather sad situation. How many uh, times a year does that happen that someone comes to you and says, hey, Al, we haven't filed tax returns in three, five, ten years? Last year it was three times. Nobody this this year yet, but last year was three times. Mm. So wow. uh, that's what we deal with. And some people just accept it. Some people are afraid, you know, that they're going to go to jail or something. And and they aren't as long as you work with them. The, the more difficult thing, as I say, is dealing with the debt collectors of the uh, – they're courteous too, but they, they monitor the situation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And perhaps you can, in a slightly different vein, thinking about uh, 2013 and maybe even backwards to 2012 – Maybe you could share with our listeners a couple of uh, important tax tips to reduce the amount of uh, money that you owe to the IRS. I think one thing is to invest in a retirement plan and to research those plans where maybe you can put the maximum retirement contribution in. One thing that uh, sole proprietors or sole shareholders of corporations can uh, engage themselves in is what's called uh, an individual 401k, which allows the owner of the business to put in a significantly greater amount of funds into the retirement into the retirement plan than a uh, a regular 401k or an IRA. Uh, if the person has the resources to do that, I would strongly recommend doing that. Is there what is the limit for the contribution to a, an IRA by a business owner? Uh a regular IRA is uh I think six thousand dollars now. Mm-hmm. Uh the the solo IRA four oh one K could be as much as forty nine thousand dollars. And there's defined benefit plans. You don't find a whole lot of defined benefit plans anymore, but you can put in considerably more there as well. Mm-hmm. But that's that's one thing people can do. They can establish uh Health savings accounts, which uh, don't so much save taxes now, but uh, uh, will in the future regarding medical expenses and so on. It, it can possibly earn some income there. Another thing to do is uh, monitor when certain deductions are paid and when certain income is paid. People who own their own businesses have it have an element of flexibility as to when they can bill for services or collect for services. And I almost never tell somebody put off collecting money because when you have an opportunity to collect it, the opportunity may not come around a, another time. But, uh, but there are ways that expenses can be allocated to one year or the other as well. Mm-hmm. What about these uh, loans from a corporation to their uh, officers? There can be loans from officers, but they have to Two be... Two officers le- from a corporation. They can be one way or the other, but they have to be legitimate loans. And too frequently, 
people don't record things and then there becomes some question as to whether it was really a loan or is it income or is it a capital contribution. Uh, but it should be set up. It could be set up for what is called uh, the applicable federal rate, which ranges now what there's a blended rate and it's like 0.24%. So it doesn't have to be for a lot, but it should be formalized. We have a number of clients uh, who not only with respect to loans, but compensation, uh, the law firms whom they use contact us every year to tell us how much that is so they can record it in a minute. Now, it may seem like not much when you're dealing with yourself, actually, but mm-hmm. it is important for legal and for tax purposes that it be formalized, and the IRS will accept that. But things that are – we have one client, and I'm not going to get into it, but there are some legal issues and loan issues regarding things that weren't formalized that's creating quite a problem. So as simple as it may seem, uh, I would stress the formalizing of, of a lot of these minutes and loan agreements and so on. Mm-hmm. So it's still a valid way to uh, reduce taxes. It just has to be formalized. That's correct. That's correct. Uh, and again, I would do some tax planning. Uh, this last year was particularly difficult because nobody knew until almost the end of the year what would, rates would be in 2013. So you had to have a contingent plan as, as well. But in most years, you can kind of tell what's going to happen next year versus what's happening the current year. And there can be some structuring of of when to make contributions, for instance, to uh, charitable organizations and, and that sort of thing. So for 2013, uh, is there, are there any things people should be doing now to minimize their tax liability a, a year from now? It's difficult to say because uh, the Congress is meeting now, uh, the Ways and Means Committee and the Senate Finance Committees, and there's talk of tax reform. Uh, I mentioned, or you mentioned earlier in the program, uh, that uh, uh, I started in 1970, which is right after a major piece of tax uh, legislation. Uh, the Tax Reform Act of 1969 was passed, and the partner in the firm that I went to work for uh, said, well, you're coming at a good time. Uh, you don't know. None of us knows any more than you do, which wasn't quite true. And I wasn't quite paid the same way as people had been around for a while. Uh, so every time they say tax reform, uh, that could be good or that could be bad. But we'll see if there's tax reform. My suggestion now would be to monitor the situation with respect to 2013 versus what's what's in 2014. I had a client for whom... Uh, so, so you mean monitor it so that you could shift income from 2013 to 14 or, or 14 to 14 to 13, to 13 yeah. Mm-hmm. Prepay income. Right, right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, Al, we're going to take a uh, another sh- short commercial break. If anyone wants to ask Al a question, this will be the last chance. Uh, 646-595-4916. Imagine you just left your prospect's office and he now has your proposal, quote, or estimate. What do you suppose he's going to do with that valuable information that you just gave him for free? Call you tomorrow with an order? Get real! He's shopping it around to the competition. Hi, this is Mike Roth, founder of Roth & Associates. I'm the most experienced sales trainer in Cincinnati. I'm constantly amazed how salespeople operate. They believe a prospect asking for a proposal means the sale is as good as closed. 
face it, trained prospects will turn you into an unpaid consultant. For over 20 years, we've been coaching, training, and challenging professionals who are 100% committed to long-term sales growth and profitability, no matter what it takes. If you're deadly serious about increasing sales, call me at 513-646-6523. Find out how Sandler Training can make you better, faster, and stronger. Or register now for our next open house, 513-646-6523. This is Mike Roth, the most experienced Sandler sales trainer in Cincinnati. This is Mike Roth, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer. Many salespeople tell us business was really easy. They likened it to gathering fruit in an orchard full of ripe trees. They gathered the low-hanging fruit. They had to get baskets to pick up the fruit that was already fallen. They never had to climb a tree. They worked this way for 10 or 15 years. Given the strong economy, this was no problem. What are we hearing now? The economy has slowed down. Salespeople are competing on price. There's still business now, but salespeople have to work harder. The fruit has not fallen from the tree, and there's no low-hanging fruit. The fruit is there, but it's higher up in the tree. The problem is their salespeople have forgotten how to climb. Do your salespeople know how to climb? If you or your team needs to learn how to climb through and up out of tough economic times, call me, Mike Roth, at 513-646-6523, or check our website at RothConsulting.net. This is Mike Roth. I'm back with Al Perlman. Uh, Al, you've led companies for a lot of years. Uh, perhaps you could share with other CEOs and business leaders uh, a, a leadership tip or two. There are volumes of books on leadership and volumes of quotes, and I normally don't quote people, but I did find a quote by Russell Ewing that uh, that I do like. With respect to tell everyone who Russell Ewing is. I have no idea who he is. <laughs> But that doesn't mean he's not imparting good advice. But I think this is a good uh, quote for leadership of people who run business organizations. A boss creates fear, a leader confidence. A boss fixes blame, a leader corrects mistakes. A boss knows all, a leader asks questions. A boss makes work drudgery, a leader makes it interesting. And I think that's a good philosophy, and it's one to which I subscribe and actually subscribed even before I, I saw this quote because I only found this quote maybe a few months ago. I don't like the word boss. I didn't like it when I had a boss. I don't like it when I am ostensibly the boss. And I know I don't really like the word team either because it's a business organization. It's, we're not in sports. But what I do like and has a lot of similarities to a team is that everyone must work together and everybody has – has a part to play. There are people in my organization, accountants, who know about things that I don't know about. They know better than I know about certain things. And when a client comes to us, a client who wants value, I direct them to that individual who knows what I don't know and can do the job better than I can do it. And and that's the way we operate. I don't refer to uh, people as... Uh, as, as underlings or something disparaging as that. Somebody asked me what I've learned, what I learned most about leadership or where I learned most about leadership. And I tell them what I learned most is from people who are my leaders or bosses. And most of it was poor leadership. I learned not what to do. For instance, I told you about the fact that I got fired at lunch with a mouthful of salad. That, that was not the way to handle things. And, uh, 
periodically we've had to fire people and we've done it in I think a, a more gentle way. I mean, all the person really hears is you're fired. But in those instances where we have had to do things, I've tried to, and in some instances successfully, found them other jobs. So it's really a person who inspires confidence. It's a it's an individual who uh, has integrity and for whom the people who are looking to the person as a leader view as integrity. In fact, here's kind of a shameless plug. Uh, I was a participant of Lead Claremont, which is a leadership training group uh, sponsored by the Claremont County Chamber of Commerce in 2012. Now I'm an advisor for the Lead Claremont 2013 class, and the group that I'm advising is putting on a leadership program April 4th at the Holiday Inn East, and their theme is Trust and Integrity, where they have some keynoted speakers, keynotes, two keynote speakers, and a number of breakout sessions on leadership. And I would uh, advise anybody listening to attend that who wants to be involved with other leaderships. You can uh, at the Claremont County Chamber of Commerce website. You can you can register and find more information on that. So enough of the shameless plug. But getting back to your question uh, about leadership, uh, that's what I think a leader is. That's good. That's good. One of the first uh, real leaders I worked for was a fellow named Bill Von Meister. And he ran companies in the McLean, Virginia area. That's just outside of Washington, D.C. He was a charismatic leader. And uh, he was such a good leader. I followed him into three different companies that he started. Uh, great, great personality. Well, he is, and maybe... Uh he didn't realize it, or maybe did realize it before this word became in vogue. He was a mentor. And this is one thing that I didn't have during my early years in the profession. A lot of what I learned, I learned on my own. But now I try to be a mentor to other people in the profession. And as I say, many of them know things I don't. Uh, they can mentor me in those things, which is largely futile. But uh, uh but it's good to be a mentor to people, and a, a leader is a mentor and a guide and somebody who can be a, a sounding board to those who uh, who who aspire to have leaders. Right. Uh, Bill Meister was that type of uh, inspirational leader on one side, and forward thinker, big, big picture. Uh, I remember the year must have been 1979 or 1980. I was working for him out. In California, he called me back to uh, McLean to see a vision of the next company. And what he showed me was an 8088, an 8008-based uh, computer terminal to gamble online using the old Telenet. And I looked at it, and I said to him, Bill, it uh, doesn't look that great in black and white, which was what it was then. I don't think it's legal. And he said, don't worry about that. It's going to catch on. And uh, I stayed in California. He he went on to form another company that later became uh, AOL. <laughs> so, well, a leader should also be a visionary, and he, he obviously is a visionary. He, he, he was a visionary. And we try to be, uh, to some degree, leaders and mentors to our clients as well. We've... Uh, 
this is what they're looking for, somebody who, who has an understanding. And I've learned a lot about clients. I've uh, been to weddings of clients. I've been to funerals of clients. One of my clients celebrated 10 years in business and had a party a couple weeks ago to which I was invited. Uh, you get to know a lot about people. I, I go home sometimes and my wife will have some concern about something that she's upset about. And I tell her, you don't know what goes on in some people's families. And, I, of course, I can't tell her because everything I learn is confidential. Uh, it doesn't necessarily make her feel any better because she's got a problem. And it's uh, sometimes not as easy to handle personal matters as it is the business matters. But, but I do become a confident both in business and personally for a number of my clients. That's, that's a sign of a good uh, outside consultant. They become trusted advisors. That's, that's really what we are. And, and the buzzword of the CPA profession is uh, a CPA is a person's most trusted finance, most trusted advisor. And uh, uh, surveys that have been done have, have proven that to be the case. Mm-hmm. Let me uh, throw one other question at you. And you can dodge this one if you want. Uh, uh, do you personally have an exit strategy in your CPA partnership? Uh, yeah. I know you probably work another 25 years, Al. But... <laughs> you asked me that before, and in the half hour since you asked me that, I haven't. <laughs> uh, we do have a buy-sell agreement. Okay. But uh, And I think it's a pretty good one. Probably, not probably, it does require some revision. Uh, in the past few years, we have had clients... It requires a, a what? Some revision. I've never heard those words together like that. <laughs> but uh, What's a some revision? Some. S-O-M-E. Oh, some revision. Some revision. I, I thought it was like a summary of vision of the future. Well, when you want to, I don't want to be too specific. You kind of mumble over what those. But we have had clients where co-business owners have had falling outs. Mm-hmm. They have buy-sell agreements and... Uh, it requires some uh, mediation type stuff, sometimes lawyers, but uh, it, it it generally works out, but not without a lot of consternation to the the participants. We just had a uh, a buy sell here at Sandler within the last year or so. There were two uh, partners that owned fifty percent of the company each: uh, David Matson and uh, Bruce Seidman, David's uh, stepson. And uh, the buy sell agreement was. Really, pretty simple. Uh, one could offer the other a buyout amount for for their shares, and they could either accept it or turn around and offer that amount of money, same amount of money, to the other partner, and he had to accept it and be out. That's not an unusual provision. I thought that was a, a, exceptionally smart. But if somebody uh, wants to retire and doesn't want to be a buyer. You, you need other provisions. It becomes particularly sensitive in families. We have a client that's an extremely successful business, mm-hmm. and it has created some ill will among family members twice now. That's that's happened, and it's uh, it's, it's a sad thing to see because business is important, but family is more important. And, right. Uh, if it's going to be uh, at a cost, and I'm not talking about just a financial cost to the family, because usually the financial arrangements do get resolved, but the feelings linger on. So I've sometimes we've been brought in there, too, to uh, 
to again mediate and comfort, for lack of a better word, uh, the participants. Yeah, we've seen uh, family businesses where I'm going to call them errant shareholders, uh, children of, of founders, wind up with shares in the business, and they never have anything to do with the business, and it kind of. It happens sometimes when you have a husband who might be working, but the wife's the owner. Here's, if we've got time, a quick story. I learned early on when I worked for the national firm, uh, we had an opportunity to uh, uh, bid on a client, and we met with the two husbands and two wives. And it turned out that we directed most of our questions. That this was the manager. I followed along and kept silent. Mm-hmm. To the husbands, we didn't get the job because we found out later on the wives were the owners of the business who they had inherited from their father who wow. had died. So one I've never made that mistake. This is talk about leadership. This is one bad leadership quality I learned from somebody else. So you have to know with whom you're dealing and, and the family members the and the characters and the personalities. And I would say that we are very successful at Smith Perlman in in doing that. Mm-hmm. So you get close with each one of your clients. Right. Right, we do. And they share a lot of confidential information with us, and it remains confidential. Well, that, that, that's really important. Yeah, to uh, retain that confidential information and then give the right advice based on the information that they have. Right. That's true. That's true. So that's why we're successful. That's good. That's good. Uh, Al, uh, I want to thank you for uh, being on the show today. Thank you for the invitation. I appreciate it. And I'm going to give you a copy of uh, David Matson, The 49 Sandler Rules. Uh, That book has uh, gone to the number one bestseller uh, on Amazon.com and then went over to the Wall Street Journal uh, as a bestseller. And included in that, I'm going to give you uh, naturally a million (laughs) dollars. And they repay. Oh, I'm taking my wife to dinner this weekend. Uh, it's her birthday, so right, I, right. money well, is uh, no object. Probably uh, only good at Jeff Ruby's Steakhouse. <laughs> and uh, a free pass to one of our training classes. Okay. So, Al, thanks again for Thank you, Mike. being on our show. And uh, next week on Thursday, we're going to have uh, Thane Maynard, uh, who is going from the Cincinnati Zoo. He's going to be on show 100. Uh, and let me ask. To uh, take us away. Thanks for listening. If you have questions or comments, contact Mike at Mike Roth at RothConsulting.net or call Mike at 513 753 9400.